Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This call, this call is, is being, being recorded. recorded. This call being recorded is, in fact, the SteelerFury.com podcast. I am your host, Bradshaw to Ben. It's our Thanksgiving edition of the Steeler Fury podcast. The Steelers uh, have found victory, and I have found uh, my usual cohort, FC. He's with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well. Can't complain. Yeah. uh, Tomorrow is a big holiday in your house, is it not? It is. (laughs) It's lots of people that I do not like. (laughs) That's horrible to say, but it's true that I have to deal with. There's two things you need for Thanksgiving. Actually, three, in my opinion. Those three things are butter, <laughs> alcohol, and pot. Uh, I was going to add to that list uh, something to talk about other than the election. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> that topic will definitely be avoided because, like, we're 50-50 split households and lots of people. So, like, there's nothing like 20-on-20 political debate. <laughs> <laughs> we may have a fucking duel in my front yard. Yes, horrible. with very, with very uh, uh, big people who, uh, you know, that could hurt you. Also. Yes. Not this much. And old people that carry guns. <laughs> so I'm and, like, I don't know who I fear more. Also, you got dogs, you know, and the thing yes. is, dogs get crazy when their people get crazy, and, you know, bad things can happen. Yes. Um, but at least uh, it isn't the, uh, you know, the extra added pressure of uh, a longer Steelers. Uh, losing streak so from that standpoint uh you have to be happy about the result last week are, are you you know you glass half full or glass half empty about the win i i apparently am out on this island of glass half full about the win but i don't know what what was your take there's good signs there's good signs there's bad signs um we're young uh it, key positions you know like uh Sean Davis and uh, corner from Miami that we drafted this year, whose name is just escaping Artie, me. Artie Burns. Artie Burns. Thank you, sir. Um, have shown flashes of, okay, we're going to be very good NFL players, and they still make some mental mistakes. Um, I would say the needle's putting up for Artie Burns. He's getting his hands on more balls. He's reading things. He's, you know, getting ahead of the curve, which is nice to see. You know, he's. You know, we're 11, 12 weeks into an NFL season, and he seems to, you know, be getting it. So that's a good thing. Um, the Cleveland Browns, you know, have many holes to their game, but allowing sacks was not one of them. And, uh, you know, so that pass rush, you know, that's, you know, something that, you know, it's going to keep – if it continues against the Colts, Colts don't have a very good offensive line. But then, you know, if it, if it continues on and, you know, we end up hanging, you know, four or five sacks a game, sacks lead the turnovers, turnovers lead the wins. That's Steeler football. I mean, that's well, the way it goes in the NFL. 
But the, the other thing I took out of the game was the physicality of the defense was at that level that they haven't they haven't been doing that for a while. Like it's you know they get they get into this thing I think, and it happens especially when they were factoring in younger players to the defense where it was a more passive style trying to get them to make fewer mistakes and so on and so forth. But the downside of that is, you know, it just lost the sort of brutality of the defense that makes a great defense work. And man, I mean, I, I know there were uh, at least Terrell Pryor and uh, Coleman got laid out and both quarterbacks. I mean, that's a, that's a good day's work for a defense, no matter if you're playing little sisters of the poor or not. I felt that that was really a that's something to give you some optimism for going forward. It, it, it does. I mean, uh, but the Steelers, I, I have concerns, and I'm not going to, you know, can this team continue to develop to where they can win against elite NFL teams and not blow it? And I said no last year, and they ended up almost shocking me and the world to a certain extent. And you're going to have to continue to show it to me week in and week out. And that doesn't make me a glass half-empty guy. It's just I don't want to be fooled again, to quote the who. You know, I just – it's I, – I can see reasons for optimism, but I'm just – I'm just staying level-headed. And they're going to have to continue to show it. You know, oh, show sure. me. I mean, it's a one. Yeah, they're going to have to. Can they bring this physicality on the road? You know, it's the the Steelers are probably the worst road team in the NFL this year, outside the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, well, uh, it helps to be going to Indy, a place where you know, play, playing a team that even even when Indy's been pretty good, the Steelers have owned them in recent years. Um, so. It feels like at least it's a you know it's a kind of matchup that's a sort of tailor made for the Steelers this week. The short week though, you know how how do you figure? What's your analysis of which team benefits the more? Is it the Colts because they're home? Is it the Steelers because they don't have to deal with with uh, you know having a backup quarterback and trying to prepare in a short week? Where do you oh, think? Definitely you know, for the, I would say definitely for the Steelers this being on a short week because. It's three days less for Andrew Luck to pass a concussion test. And I'd much rather be facing Scott Tolzien and Andrew Luck. You know, uh, the Colts are going to have to beat us with Frank Gore, the way I look at it. And if the Colts can beat us with Frank Gore, we don't deserve to win anything. We should be picking in the top ten. Nothing against Frank Gore. I mean, he's a fantastic NFL running back, but uh, he's 40. He's turned into kind of a um, – he's lost that sort of uh, shiftiness – he didn't have. He wasn't exactly all, ever a really like a you know spinorama kind of a guy. But he he had he was one of those guys that had just that little bit of wiggle, uh, you know, at the at the point where he met tacklers that allowed him to uh, turn two and three yard gains into seven, eight, ten yard gains. Uh, and he seems to have lost a little bit of that. He's become kind of straight line. Um, sure, he was always pretty much a one cut and you know get it type of back. I I the way I look at Frank or is I think he is a a, a, a level ahead of, a, like, say, a Terrell Davis. If Terrell Davis had a 12-year NFL career, I think it would have looked a lot like Frank Gore's. And maybe I'm giving too much credit to Terrell Davis, or maybe I'm giving too much credit to Frank Gore, matters which back that you like more. But they <laughs> both, you know, are, you know, they both had, you know, the ability to 
you know, cut, see the hole, and bang, get, you know, 8, 10, 12, 14, and do that, you know, 70 plays in a row. We've had this conversation before, but just to reiterate my position, Terrell Davis was more dominating in a two- or three-year period than Frank Gore ever was. Secondly, I agree. Terrell Davis was impossible to tackle. He was like, guys would would bounce off him like there's nothing to there was nothing to grab on him built like Adonis and then the downside is probably Jerry's was doing you know he's probably doing health. performance enhancing stuff that was ahead of the curve so you know that's also how you didn't help that Tony Jones Gary Zimmerman Mark yeah. Schrelf yeah Denver had a very good offense line and what time has led people to believe is that Shannon Sharp was not a good blocker I think Shannon Sharp might have been the best positional blocker who got no movement in the history of the National Football League. <laughs> you know, which is no, no, no. He, he's not tried, bad. He would wall himself. It's good enough. Good enough. Legal. Good enough. <laughs> Guess what? You just blocked Kevin Green. Guess what? You just blocked Greg Lloyd. Guess what? You just blocked Jason Gilman. You know. Yeah. Well, he certainly could beat Jason Gilden as a pass receiver. That much. much <laughs> Red right option. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's not talk about that anymore right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, at any rate, though, Frank Gore, his best days are definitely ahead of him, I mean, behind him. You know, in general, I thought last year that Indy had the least talented 52 bottom. The bottom 52 of their roster was the least talented in the NFL. Um, I'm, I'll am i stick with, you know, I, that especially – and I kind of think they've really done anything major to improve that roster from last year to this year. I'm not really sure what their plan is there in Indy, but – they seem to be willing to let Andrew Luck and a cast of thousands, um, you know, win enough games to compete in the AFC South in, a, in an ordinary year. But unfortunately, uh, even that, you know, isn't doing enough for them this year. And it looks like that they need to go on some kind of epic run just to try to win the division. But it's not a team that's really going anywhere. So, you know, my take is this is a game that, I, you know, you fear every opponent and what they might be able to do to you. If things don't go well for you, or, you know you don't accomplish what you want to accomplish, come out flat or whatever. But this is an indie team that the Steelers are favored to beat, should be favored to beat, and should be. They will have no excuses if they don't beat this team. I agree with that. But what I will say is the Colts, Dante Moncrief, Dorsett, Anthony Dorsett, uh, T.Y. Hilton, if they're all healthy. Then you got Jack Jack Doyle. Uh, I think the Indianapolis Colts, on paper, when everyone's healthy, have very interesting weapons in the passing game. The Andrew Luck's injured. The receivers are dinged, injured, not playing. You know, Jack Doyle and uh, Dwayne Allen, the other tight end. Jack Doyle is a very good player. Um, he he's developed into a very good player, a lot better than I expected. Um, but you're right, the Colts, their offensive line's not very good. Their defensive line and their their front seven are try-hard guys with not a ton of ability. I have a fear that the Colts can make – I just don't see Tolzien doing it. So that takes out the outside wide receivers. So that leaves Frank Gore in that offensive line to beat you. Can't happen. Defensively, I, I could see the Colts really trying to have a great effort, short week, home game – prime time, don't want to get embarrassed, and they play out of their minds. And if this, if Ben and Bell and Brown got their shit together and they can get any secondary options in the passing game, you know, if that's Kobe Hamilton, Eli Rogers, 
you know, Ladarius Green. Jesse James has been good, a good player. I'll put it this way. Um, when we draft for where we drafted him, what he's become in his second year in the NFL, I'm satisfied. I think he's a good player, good value. Um, I see room for improvement, which is another good thing because he's a pretty good NFL player that has the chance of being a. a, a I'm not. Gonna, I don't think he'll ever be very good unless he really gets a relationship going with Ben. I don't know if that's ever going to happen because you know A. B. and Bell are such big products in this offense. Big. They, they eat up snaps, they eat up balls, they eat up carries, they eat up touches, however you want to look at it. Um, I I don't think the Col- I think the Steelers should win this game easily, easier than against Cleveland, but because the Colts play in their nice little domed stadium and the weather won't come into account. Right. But Steelers have been so shitty on the road. You know, you just, you know, right off the bat, you want to say, oh, this is going to be a 24-6 game. You know, Bell, you know, the Steelers are going to make enough plays. They're going to, you know, run Bell. It's locked down on defense. 24-3. But, you know, the way they performed on the road, poorly on both sides of the ball, allowing big plays defensively and failing to make big plays offensively. Yeah, I mean. Where Coach Tomlin's going to earn, I mean, you win this game, you know, then you win him. You know, you win home game against Baltimore, take care of business against Cleveland. You know, you're probably pretty much guaranteed to make the, to win the AFC North. Yeah, I mean, I, I I kind of feel like you know they're they're in a decent position to you know try to get into that conversation for the third the, the three seed, and all they really need to do is just take care of their own business. You know, it's like they're they don't have to have any superhuman efforts down the stretch. They just need to take care of beating these teams that they should beat on paper. Not just because they're just woeful teams, but I mean, there, there isn't anybody on that list that when you when you assess the game based on, you know, we're looking at it at least from right now, there isn't anybody on that list that you think to yourself, you know, they're going to have to really uh, pull one out of their ass to beat this team. So to me, that means, you know, you just, if you take care of business and, and, you, and you do things right down the stretch, have a good stretch run, and you get in that position where you you might be able to avoid uh, New England for a week or two uh, of the postseason. You might even be able to you know let them have to face off against uh, a pretty what's going to shaping up to be a pretty good wild card team this year coming out of the AFC West. So you know I just think take care of your business and it just that's the signs of you know good stuff that they can build from and build some momentum from last week were you know, were really good things to me. And, and of course they did it against an inferior opponent, but they had plenty of games against inferior opponents where they were not that dominant. Um, so this game reminds me a little bit of the uh, the 2007 game against the Rams um, where, you know, the Steelers had struggled a, a little bit that year uh, on the road and they had, uh, you know, they had some injury issues. They lost, uh, you know, a couple of left tackles throughout the course of the year. Uh, but in that, in that game uh, against the Rams, you know, they, they, they took care of business and it kind of, kind of led them into the playoffs, you know, put them, it, 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 it solidified their position in the playoffs. And even though the, the playoff game did not go the way they wanted it to, um, I just feel like this is a similar kind of situation that even though it's on the road, 
it's a team that they should take care of. And the fact that it's in a dome, I think helps Ben, you know, Ben is still ridiculously effective in the, in the dome. Um, I don't even, I can't even recall the last time that he had a, a game where he was only mediocre in, in a dome. It's been a while. Uh, maybe that, you know, for sure the first game against Indianapolis in, in uh, 2005, you know, maybe, I don't know if they had the roof closed in Arizona a couple of years ago where he was okay, but not great. But otherwise, you know, guys on fire in a dome. So I have a hard time believing anything's going to change with that. Especially after having to deal with the wind last week, right? It's not going to be like a joy to be in the controlled environment. It's like vacation. He says rantingly. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, the, I'm, I'm, I was thinking back. I think Ben's had one, two eh, games in the dome. One was in Atlanta in like 2000. And the, game where he, the game where he got hurt? No. No, because I think that was a 31 30 game or 31 31 game. Yeah, I was going to say, he was, good. He, he, he was good in that game, but you were yeah. different. I'm not certain. Um, you know, he lit it up in Detroit. I mean, there's no excuses. I mean, my my problem is I don't trust Eli Rogers. I don't know what to think of Kobe Hamilton. You know, it's just that I wish we Martavius Bryant only had a ten game suspension because then I could sit here and I could say A B Bryant to a you know in weapons you could attack every level of the field and I think the Steelers are his favorite of an AFC team to to come out of the AFC because I don't really trust the Raiders. I don't trust Denver. You know, Kansas City's Kansas City, you know, um, and so New England. And, you know, after watching New England and San Francisco and how the Steelers did, you know, missing what we were, I'm not thinking that New England's the big boogeyman. It's just, for me, I, I can't believe that I'm saying it, but we're a receiver short. And a year ago, you know, with Martavius Bryant, Marcus Wheat, and, you know, it just, Antonio Brown, it just looked like we had so many weapons to now. It's, unfortunately, I don't trust the defense enough because they're so young, and they won't play James Harrison enough. It's funny as that I really believe that. I believe that James Harrison should play more than he actually does. So, I, I, I have mixed emotions completely about this team, and they say it's a week-to-week league. It's a week-to-week how I feel about the Steelers. <laughs> this is a week-to-week show. Let's face yeah. it. <laughs> you want to fire the whole, uh, the entire front office and all the coaches? I still players? do. I, I'm, not, I'm not huge. But, I mean, if Tyler McKavich comes in and he starts for where Lawrence Timmons is next year, do I want to? No. You know, it's, it's going to be – those are the types of moves in which people are not even considering. Yeah, but wait, you know? wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're saying this huh? after Lawrence Simmons played one of his top three games he's ever played in his entire career. <laughs> You're ready to send I him I absolutely off. believe that. I don't, I think that he's going to get more money outside of Pittsburgh than he's going to get in Pittsburgh. I think he's going to hit the free agent market, and I think someone's going to throw fucking money at him. Yeah, so what you're saying is you you're okay with them being replaced because it's better than spending uh, overspending on him. It's a cap league. It's what I mean. Trust me. I mean, I would love to still have you know Emmanuel Sanders. Everyone, but it's a cap league. You can't do it. 
and you got to spend your money, you know, in the right spots. And we have a $100 million quarterback. And what are we going to do with Le'Veon Bell? And AB's coming up. Yeah. Well, spent a lot of money on David DeCastro. Spent a lot of money on Marquise Pouncey. Yeah. Spent a lot of money on Cam Hayward. I'm not bad mouthing. I mean, Cam Hayward's my guy. Just, we'll just be prepared for the onslaught. Major muscle injuries had third yeah. major muscle injury concern. Yeah, that's that's not that actually two. He had a quadriceps, and he has now the blown pack, and the other problem was a high ankle sprain. So I apologize, but second major muscle. You know, he may only be a 280-pound man that's trying to squeeze 300 pounds in that body, and his muscles just cannot hold up. So maybe it'll be best if he plays at 280 pounds. Yeah. Well, They said the same thing about J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt does not have the frame to carry much above 280 pounds. And they say that's where a lot of – they think his back. And if he needs fusion, he's done. Yeah, there's like one guy in the history of the league who's had fusion and come back to play. Right, and he was Peyton Manning. He was not banging. He was not banging three hundred pound guys on every play, right? No, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're Haywardless at at the moment, anyway. No matter what we do, uh, I I I felt a little optimism noticing that uh, the the two. You know, other uh, the two young linemen, I should say, because McCullers obviously not a rookie, but I thought that both McCullers and Hargrave um, stepped up a little bit in this game. And granted, they're playing against Cameron Irving and uh, those you know backup backup guard and and against players that are barely NFL caliber. But I thought that McCullers the last two or three weeks has actually uh, flashed a little bit, considering how many snaps he's getting. And I feel like that's a positive development for this team because. You know, they're just without having some kind of a presence uh, in the middle there that that can shake things up a little bit. They're they're going to get killed by the run. I agree completely. And LT Walton actually gave him some pretty good snaps as well. I was like trying to figure out who the fuck is ninety six LT Walton. Hey, yeah, there he is. <laughs> it's the rare sighting. It's like right. Uh, it's like Yeti a white male and LT Walton. Yeah. Yeti and LT Walton. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of feel like there's, you know, they're in an interesting position. They're they they allowed some of these younger players to get some opportunities, either because of injury or in the case of uh, Burns and Davis, because they just believe in them. And they, you know, how it is with young players: the more they play, the more mistakes they're going to make make along the learning curve route. But the more they play, they eventually stop looking like rookies um, and make some plays. You no, know, I think they're sort of at that stage now where they're still making mistakes, but they're also making plays. Uh, and if you can survive that period as they cross over into making more plays than they make mistakes, it feels like you know there's there's upswing there. Um, and you know, like people are critical of the the play that Artie Burns made. Uh, you know, he's playing in the deep third and lets the tight end catch a touchdown pass in front of him. A, that tight end's a Pro Bowl tight end. He's pretty good. Uh, and B, I, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. How many practice reps, let alone game reps, do you think Artie Burns had in high school and college and uh, junior high playing the, as a deep third in cover three? Probably not many. I guess the total <laughs> number was under three. You can count it on one hand. It was I'm... like Hail Mary defense. 
they put them like, well, what you're going to do, we're going to put you in the end zone. <laughs> you see this? You don't let nobody catch the ball on this third of the field. <laughs> That's how he was in cover three. You know yeah, I, mean? I just think you, I just see young guys, and I mean, I mean, even from the the low, low level of football that I play, nobody under the age of 25 can play zone defense coverage because they just don't play it. They never patient. They, they be patient. If they're any good, they you know they play man to man on somebody. They say you go cover that guy. That's you know if they're if they're any good. Plus. A lot of these kids play basketball as a primary sport growing up, and that's become a sport also where, you know, for the most part, if you're good, if you have talent, you play man-to-man on somebody. And so the concept of man-to-man is really simple. You cover that guy, right? Now you can learn good technique for how to do it and, you know, do it a million different kinds of ways, a lot of subtleties to how to do it well. But for the most part, it's pretty simple to understand. Zone, you know, it's you have to have this combination of patience then you have to trust what you see and you have to go without hesitation. That, that process requires reps. Like you really have to see the same pattern formations over and over again and get a feel for what they're trying to do to you and get a feel for which way you can cheat a half a step. And, you know, like all the little subtleties of it and, you know, just the, the, even the distance, the depth of your drop when you're playing deep thirds there at the end zone, you know, that you have to understand you're as already, if I'm already burns, I can outrun that tight end to the deep corner of the end zone if he, if I see him going that way. I can't beat him to the front of the end zone if I'm too deep to to get there, you know, with my reaction time. It's just little things that I don't see that as to me that's a lot less discouraging than seeing a guy who just has does not have the physical skills like an Antoine Blake to match up against a bigger receiver in the red zone and give up a touchdown. Way less disheartening to see a guy like Artie Burns give up that touchdown that he gave up last week. It's still a mistake. It's still something that he's got to be able to make a better play than that. But it doesn't It doesn't make me worried for the future of the team. <laughs> it makes me it's think something to myself. You, can learn from. you yeah. can't learn from being out-skilled, out-willed, outsized. You can learn from being like a, a mental error. You know, yep. The only thing you got to do is get the ball across the white line. You don't have to, you know. And, and I bet you if Artie – It'll probably happen again, and then maybe the light goes on, and Artie Burns will be, you know, up a little bit closer. I have, I didn't have much of a problem with it either. It was a good throw, confined space. You know, he got the the quarterback got the ball off around set of arms. It's it worked. It, tip your hat. They're not a bad team. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're really I'm... not. I mean, th- th- there's a reason why they allowed, I believe, nine sacks on the season coming into that game. Yeah, you know? they almost doubled the sacks they gave up, and the Steelers doubled the sacks that they had coming in. It was just a weird sure. – and, and, I mean, how okay, but here's the thing. Did you see anything that the Steelers were doing on defense in this game that resembled what they did in any other game prior to that this season? No, they – what I think they, they decided to do is uh, they moved Stephen Tudor around more because Cam Hayward wasn't there, but Cam Hayward was the guy that was taking the favorable matchups prior. And mm-hmm. so, but other than that, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, James Harrison coming like, you know, a bat out of hell, you know, off the edge. Uh, they, well, I'm saying know, that they, they did a whole, they basically, you know, went for it instead of playing safe. Like just what they were doing with the, you know, from zone blitzes to moving guys around to, you know, overloading certain sides to, to having an inside linebacker come on a rush outside James Harrison and Joe Thomas 
you know, to force them to block him with the back or to let Thomas off, you know, to let Harrison get a free release of the inside off of Joe Thomas. All of those things were I'm just like, where the hell was that for, for eight weeks of the season is what I would like to know. We were saving it for whenever it counts. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sort of I mean, like they, you know, when they, when they finally get to a point where they're like, well, you know, our back's over against the wall now. We better just like, you know, let it rip. It's sort of like I feel like they approach everything before that as like a learning experience to to figure out their team and figure out what they can do and can't do and to bring guys up to speed who are new into the program. And, and it's funny, like they just don't, you know, they care more about that than they do about trying to, uh, you know, win every game without getting any better. Like I think they would rather get better over the course of the first eight games and go – five and five in 10, you know, the first 10 games or whatever, then, then they would to go nine and one and not be peaking, not getting, not be getting better. I'm not sure I agree with that strategy entirely, but I, I, I guess I'm beginning to accept it as a, as a fan of the team because it seems to be that way every year. And, you know, some years they've gotten to this point and they haven't really been able to turn the corner like 2009 uh, and other years they have really come on from this point forward. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to let it wait and be seen what, what really happens. That's, I guess that's part of the reason I'm more accepting of where they are now is maybe being on the way to something positive. Just, uh, you know, seeing this movie before. I, we shall see. That's, that's why they play the games. <laughs> right. Well, of course you got to play them, but. You know. Sure. No, no, I'm not being, what I'm saying is there's hope yet. There's. What we've seen, I hope the Sewers come out and play aggressive on both sides of the ball against the Colts. If they get beat playing aggressive on both sides of the ball, they get beat. The end. If they go in there with the mindset of, hey, we can win, you know, a 13-6 game, and they play everything close to the vest, play close enough to the vest, just enough to lose. And that's my fear. I don't think it's going to happen, but we're at a point where the Steelers just have to win football games, and they got to win games on the red. No, oh, sure. Well, um, I hear you. the North, and, you know, you're guaranteed top four playoff spot. Yeah. Uh, so here's a Rams question for you. I, I don't know how much of them you've seen this year. I'm sorry I say Rams, wrong team. Uh, uh, Indy question, sorry, I was going to say. Um and that is, you know, the way they run their the way they run their offense. It sort of feels like they. Uh, it just reminds me so much of, you know, Ben and certain Arians era where they didn't really have much protection, uh, and they didn't have a big running game, and they kind of you know the it broke a lot of times plays broke down and it relied on the quarterback using his feet to you know buy time and make plays. Um, w- without luck in there, do you? Do you think they'll there's an approach that they can use that can be successful against this the weaknesses of our defense? You know, I guess that's what is it is is it just the Gore show or do you think they'll figure out things to do that'll work for Tolzine? Scott Tolzine reminds me a lot of Mike Tomzak, where he throws actually a loopy deep ball, but he's accurate with it. That's a fear, you know, because the Colts do have some athletic playmakers on the outside. Um he's not you know, going to be confused with Marcus Mariota with his mobility in the pocket, but he's not a complete statue 
Um, I think his biggest problem is he holds onto the ball, and he could get the shit pounded out of him. And I don't know who the Colts. I don't know who the Colts search quarterback is, but. But wait, isn't that? But that's what that's what my criticism of Andrew Luck would be. It's like there's a guy that holds the football, takes some big hits, and uh, you know will even occasionally throw it up for grabs when he gets hit. Um, you know, so if that's if that's the main knock on Tolzien, you know, how much less effective is he going to be than Andrew Luck in this game? And I guess what I'm saying is a possibility that he could be okay in this game. I no, I don't think so. I mean. <laughs> I I mean I really don't. Um, I I I've watched a lot of Scott Tolzien, and I remember him from the Packers. I remember him at Wisconsin, and I know what type of quarterback he is. And uh, at best, he's a Mike Tomczak, and I liked Mike Tomczak. He was competitive and fiery, but Mike Tomczak in today's NFL isn't a great fit. And that's maybe luck plays. I know that T. Y. Hilton said he's out. If Andrew Luck plays, this is a completely different ball game because I think the Steelers' pass rush can rush pretty much to a point. I said Tolzien's mobile. He's mobile like Tom Brady is. He can maneuver inside the pocket. Now, if he's breaking outside the pocket and breaking off big runs on the Steelers, it's a problem, you know? Um, but I just don't see that happening. I don't yeah, have well, a lot of fear of the Colts on either side of the ball. Yeah, although although Tolzien has never won a game as an NFL starter, he's o one and one. You know, he's, he's actually fairly impressive yards per attempt. I think you hit you hit the nail on the head. Capable of throwing the deep ball, also capable of throwing three picks in one game. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of feels like the Mike Tomczak comparison. Like I, I buy that. That's pretty good. That, that sounds like I'm describing Mike Tomczak really. Um, but you know he's not he's not uh, in, he's not an incompetent backup quarterback. So you know I think it's wrong to think that he's going to be um, even Cody Kessler level of you know I'm not saying Cody Kessler's incompetent, but not really that much that he's able to do as an NFL quarterback at this point in his career. Um going to be better than that. But behind an offensive line that I mean they are definitely going to want to run the football because they are. I think 31st in pass protection um, adjusted for the level of competition they faced. So, so to me, the key to this game is, you know, Colts have got to try to run the football. The question is, are they going to be able to run it enough to set up play action and stuff like that? I don't think so, but we shall see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, other side of the football, uh, you know, is this a, is this a game the Steelers are going to give the keys to Ben and kind of let him try to turn this into a, a track meet kind of a game, or you know, or, or at least a you know s- score fast and often uh, in the early part of the game before they get <laughs> out of the ball, or or is this a game where they come out and 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 try to you know nibble their way? I mean, to me, I feel like they did that last week. They generally don't have the same plan two weeks in a row. I don't know if you've noticed it about this team, but it's it's rare for them to have over focus on the short game and the run game one week and then not come back the next week and open it up as if they're you know trying to get teams to adjust uh, on the fly to a different strategy than they're expecting what do you think i expect 
I think they're going to, it's going to be a very similar game plan to last week, especially with the Colts not having, you know, or look like they're not having Andrew Luck. So I expect heavy dose of Bell. Um, you know, on a short week, both teams are playing on a short week. Um, I believe the Steelers think they can probably beat up the Colts front seven a little bit with uh, with their offensive line. Um, Le'Veon Bell looked great last week. Um, he might be a little bit beat up. I mean, he did touch the ball a ton. Um, I think that Antonio Brown will be involved, but I expect it. Uh, you may see some vertical passing early in the game, but I think the game plans can be built around the run. I think they would like to probably get Le'Veon Bell probably 22 to 26 carries in the game. Actually, they probably prefer to only get him 20, have those runs break off big, and they can get, you know, Toussaint and Richardson into the game. I I think the Steelers' goal is to win the game and not suffer any more injuries and just get through and have the, you know, 10-day break, you know, by playing on Thursday to rest up and, you know, get guys completely healthy. I think you might see some Bud Dupree this week if the Steelers get up in the game. You know, probably see less James Harrison. Maybe a Actually, less what was weird is that Bud, Bud looks pretty good in his one play, one snap that he had. I noticed him right away. Uh, kind of, uh, he won on an inside move and, and uh, would have probably, you know, gotten some serious pressure except it was one of those plays where the ball came out immediately. It was just, you know, I, I kind of understand the sentiment. It was sort of, uh, you know, they didn't really have a lot of plays on defense. And by the time that they did spend more time on the field defensively, I, you know, I'm not going to say the game was completely out of the reach by NFL standards, but a 14 to nothing lead meant there was pretty much no reason to run Bud Dupree. And not only not only a 14 nothing lead, but a game where you were getting a bunch of pressure and uh, had Cleveland uh, offensive line on their heels. Maybe you put Bud Dupree in there to like have him feel good about himself, but on the other hand, you didn't really need to waste him um, in that game once once it sort of uh, turned the way that it did, but. He looked healthy enough, you know. He looked like he could move laterally, and that, you know, on the one play of action he had, he, he looked good. So, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe in fact, we will see some more Bud Dupree. Um, question for you. Uh, based on where the where the Steelers are now at, now at with Jarvis Jones, uh, and and uh, we'll call him Levon Kirkland, James Harrison, uh, and the and the rest, as they would say on Gilligan's Island, um. You think? Are you with me in in thinking that Bud Dupree might eventually be uh, moved to the right side of this defense now that Jarvis Jones is basically out of the way for good, and that uh, James Harrison is you know almost undoubtedly in his last year? Would you would you consider moving Dupree over to that side? Do you think he might be more effective on the right side? I'd play him where he feels the most comfortable. So if if he told me that he feels most comfortable at left outside linebacker. I stick him there, and I, he plays there. If he play, if he says it doesn't matter to him, I probably would play him at uh, right outside linebacker, preferably because um, I want him to just attack the passer. That's all he was drafted to do, get upfield. I understand that Vaughn Miller and Khalil Mack get tons of pressure, you know, coming from the left outside linebacker spot, but they're not all they're not asked to do a lot in the run game. And based on base formations, they move out. And uh, no, though they're listed as strong side outside linebackers, that's not their duties. I I watch a ton of Raiders, 
And uh, I think Leo Max having one of the more disappointing seasons. It's the guys around him and that offense and t- timely playmaking that's carried the Raiders. I'm not saying Leo Max having a poor year, and teams are scheming for him. Don't get me wrong, but. You know, if Khalil Mack was the Steeler and we drafted him where they drafted him and he was having this type of season, I can imagine the fans would not be very happy, even though the team would have an 8-2 record. But that's Steeler fans for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is Steeler fans for you. Uh, by the way, what do you make of uh, uh, okay, Cal- Calhoun? I think I hear a lot of shit every time I see my brother because he was a big fan of him. I think he's a good player. I think that his body and his game is actually a little bit more suited for the NFL than it was for college football. Um, Shaq Calhoun's got a lot of nuts in him. You know what I mean? Like good nuts, like the Charles Haley, James Harrison type nuts. And uh, that can't be coached and people can't fake it. You know, it's, it shows up on tape and he's a good player. He really is. Yeah, he's not. He's not playing too much, is he? I don't think he's. Uh... He doesn't play enough. He plays. He gets about thirty-five to forty percent of their snaps, but he has a lot of production off of those thirty-five or forty percent of, of of those snaps. The Raiders. I mean, I'll give Dorio credit. Um, he has he he has some some studs on both sides of the ball, but the complementary parts are really performing well, and he's getting good play from young players. Yeah. Well, you know these. I don't know. Like I'm, um, I guess we moved on to our around the league segment. Brought to you by uh, Chico Valesbonds, Dean Blandito. Um, I'm trying to think of something absolutely disgusting. How uh, Chris Carpenter's wife, who threatened to castrate the dude, or Richard German, and uh, I, I got I one guess. for you. I'm doing this sponsor this week. It's uh, ESPN for attaching a picture of the former Steeler Will Allen um, on a story about. Uh, I don't know if it was a. I seen it too. Buy or whatever. Um, fraud. Oh yeah, yeah, fraud. Um, racketeering, monitoring, laundering, illegal loans, with a wire fraud. Yeah. Former NFL player Will Allen, but not this Will Allen. <laughs> yeah, not the Will Allen from Ohio State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure that the last thing you really want to see is your face on plastered all over ESPN on a story that has nothing to do with you. That's that unflattering. Like, oh man. That's that's not something an apology can cover, I'm thinking. No. Okay, um, so we'll just do Thanksgiving. How about this? Um, Dallas <laughs> is going to win? <laughs> um, no. I, Washington's actually pretty uh, an entertaining team. And uh, Detroit. Dak's falling, wow. Dak's falling off a little bit, hasn't he? Uh, I like Dak. I, I do. I do I this. No, no, I really do. But I'm saying I think his play is – He's he's plateaued a little bit. A little bit, but I mean, he did throw two touchdowns to Des Bryant. He did throw one to Cole Beasley, and Jason Witt made plays. I'll put it this way: I'm trying to think of a rookie quarterback in the, over the last ten years that's impressed me more, and I can't think of one. Yeah, pretty good. You know, yeah. I mean, Ben Good. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I. I He's 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 made some terrific plays, you know. Just not just with they're not winning despite him, and a lot of times they're winning because of him. Right. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott didn't rush for 100 yards last week. Nope. Well, they got off to they got off to kind of a slow start in that game. Um, which I is mean, a, Baltimore's you know, not dog shit. I mean, running the ball. I wouldn't want to make a living running the ball at Brandon Williams. 
know, that is a large specimen. Well, okay, let me ask you a question. Aside from the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. um, name a bad team we we faced this year. I, I understand that. I mean, I, I hear where people are coming from. We've played the strongest strength of schedule to date this year in the NFL. We have good wins. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not saying that. Well, I, I mean, we also I, have bad losses. Yeah, yeah, but you I'm saying. I mean? But even the losses right. that we had, we would like to have won. You know, most of those, if not all of them. Philadelphia uh, is the only game that where I could just say that it was just a pure ass. You know, just stomping. Philadelphia right. stomped us. So, okay, so when, if you throw if you throw out the Cleveland game and you throw out right. Philly, that's a win and a loss from a team that's. How about bad. New England? But wait, but Can we wait, throw that uh, out because we were missing someone who didn't play in that game. Oh yeah, exactly. So all right, so we're four and three against uh, a teams that are all either five hundred or over, who are all pretty decent teams. Chiefs are a pretty good team, you know. They're headed Denver in the West. Yeah. So this. So what I'm saying is, you know, we're. I I, I think all in all, it's not. It isn't a end of the jumping off the cliff kind of a version of the season. It's just kind of a. Uh, you know, somewhere like, something less than satisfying, but it also doesn't make me. Your think fear, that, though, yeah. well, if even if you, I know, because I know you because I've known you for so long. <laughs> I'm an optimist, but there's still a little fear in your stomach where you're like, "Oh, what fucking game is Tomlin gonna blow that he shouldn't?" Or what team is what game is this team gonna blow that they shouldn't? And well, I kind of feel like we that's, got, and, that, and that's the interpretation. The one thing that we'll, that we could say about Bill Cowher, and I did not like things about Bill Cowher, he generally beat the teams he should. Now I know Mike Tomlin, you know, early in this, it's not recently. He's, I mean, it could be argued what teams we should beat, but there's just certain teams on certain days that are going to, like San Francisco against New England last week. I mean, San Francisco played a well of a football game. Oh, they can't. They did everything they could to lose that game late. They did. They they were in a position to win that game. New England was doing sure. nothing for three quarters of that football. I watched. Right. I watched and I mean that's the NFL. Everyone gets paid, and I and ex- fans comes from fanatics, and fanatic is not a good thing. You know, um, we sometimes we got to just settle down. And I'm the guy that was saying fire everyone. I'm still there though. <laughs> you know, I just believe that. We need to do better in the draft, and we need to be do slightly better on who we decide to extend. But you know, sure, either here or there. I don't. I mean, I I just don't. You know, I think the the majority of what I would call bad law, you know, really bad losses. Think of the joint losses. Were were games where, um the flaws of both the defense and offense were exploited in the game. And generally it's been the defense that, you know, really, you know, can't, is not capable of, of uh, winning games. You know, we've had a couple of stretches over the course of the last five years where the defense was really just not strong enough, capable enough to win a bunch of games uh, in defensive struggles, they just it just wasn't going to happen. Some days it's just you know you're just involved in a defensive struggle, no matter your best laid plans. And I sort of feel like this defense is better than that. They're number one in the NFL in red zone defense. Okay, so no matter what their flaws are and their propensity for giving up big plays is definitely one of them. Uh, I don't think you can be talentless 
as a group are incapable of playing really good defensive football and, and be the best in the NFL at keeping teams out of the end zone in the red zone. It just doesn't make any sense um, to me. So I'm, I guess I have a, you know, I'm a injury situation is always a concern. It's a concern to be without Cam Hayward. It's a concern what else might happen. And definitely on, on offense, you know, their, their skill positions are, are kind of uh, top heavy right now. That depth is really hollowed out, but I've, you know, I, I kind of I just have a feel. I don't look in two thousand five. You had a feeling that team was. Oh, tough oh up. you don't want to steal thunder because I got something for you on the final word that I've been saving. <laughs> okay, I don't know anything. I didn't say anything just now. Um, well, let's go. So, so uh, talking about the rest of the league for a second. Dallas and Washington. Um, you know, like I do. I think Dallas covers seven points against Washington. No way. It's I get it, it's a short week. And the Redskins have to travel. I think the Redskins are better than advertised. I don't think they're, uh, you know, going to go very far in the postseason or anything like that. But as the state of the NFL is concerned right now, um, they're a pretty good team, and uh, and that's probably one of the more impressive victories that the Steelers had this year was going to Washington and beating them there. Uh, I get that they're not quite as good on the road, but I I would take Washington in the points. I agree. Uh, I at that. the, at I the think it'll be close. The Vikings have sort of fallen off the cliff. Um, right, a little bit. Uh, but uh, they're two and a half point underdog to Detroit. Detroit on Thanksgiving, pretty good. Such a big advantage for Dallas and Detroit to get this home game every year on a short week. God. I agree. Can't believe um, it. So you taking the lines or Vikings? Oh, I'll take Detroit. I'm going to take the Vikings. I'll take Sam and the boys. <laughs> okay. Dialing up a little something special for Thanksgiving, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, what else am I looking at here? It's kind of interesting. Um, oh, the Baltimore. What's that? Steelers and the Colts. Well, we'll get there in a second. Oh. Um, uh, I'll, throw, I'll throw you a curveball. How about uh, I'll take Tampa Bay and the five and a half points against Seattle in Tampa Bay. Mm, Tampa, I, I know this. I know Tampa's gonna, that uh, the Seattle doesn't travel very well to the East Coast. Um, they generally win. Wow, that's uh, that's ballsy. Um, you know what? I think you could be right, but I wouldn't touch it. Um, losing process is actually kind of big for Seattle because I like Thomas Rawls. Don't get me wrong, but Thomas Rawls is Thomas Rawls. He's Procise was actually a very good weapon in the passing game and a big part of why Seattle was starting to have success offensively over the last four weeks. He actually freed up Jimmy Graham a lot. I don't disagree with that. That's not a bad pick. The thing about Procise, though, the one thing he's not good at is pass protection. Oh, he was horrible pass blocker. So the thing is, (laughs) what you lose in him as a receiver, at least you gain in terms of being able to protect for some of the more downfield game. Um, How about Philly Green Bay? In, it's, in, it's in Philly. I like the Eagles. Yeah, I do too. Although both neither of those teams is on a particularly good run right now. No, it's just the Green Bay is on their fifth and sixth corner and six and seven safety. Just... <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been there, man. We've we have totally been there. Um, any chance Cincinnati beats Baltimore in Baltimore this week? Not without A.J. Green, but, I mean, there's a chance. 
Yeah, Tyler probably, Boyd. Probably not going to happen. Uh, and lastly, but not leastly, um, who are you more worried about for if you are, I'm sorry, if you are in a position where uh, you're trying to win a wild card in the AFC, mm-hmm. are, are you concerned about either uh, Tennessee or Buffalo? Buffalo, especially, I think at this point is in, you know, they're sort of in the, I mean, left I out. Mean, I would, you figure that the teams in the AFC West at some point are going to start picking each other off because they play each other. Yep. So you figure either one's going to, you know, take off with it. But if those teams split in the AFC West, it's no. <laughs> it's just they. You got to give them credit. Seven and three, seven and three, eight and two. They've, they've, you know, they've they've gained some separation. Now I understand they play each other. Right. And San Diego is going to, you know, drop up the proverbial turb in one of their front punch bowls. They always do. San Diego <laughs> does a decent job of playing spoiler. So. I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to see Kansas City win that division and. Uh, give the Steelers a chance at a, at a, you know, a, a two seed, you know, it's like, it's, it's right. unlikely, but if you're right. going to root, I guess that's, I'm rooting for Kansas city to drop a couple games and win the division. And they, I, I think they have, they play at Denver this week, but they, they have, I know they have Oakland at home. They might have Denver at home as well uh, left yet. So there's a lot of intra division fighting left in the AFC, in the AFC West, but are you uh you you uh, bullish or bearish on the Oakland Raiders? I was bullish. I'm starting to become more bearish. The reason is is uh, I, their their offense is not scoring as much, and their defense is giving up more points. So that's generally not a good sign. I don't trust you know Murray and Richard to lead this team. You know, Oakland probably has the Best in weapon. Put, the NFL. Put, uh, in put, that offensive line. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they're, that's the thing. They're winning right now, much like Dallas is, with line play and, and sharp quarterback play. Like, you, I know he made a, like a, a completely boneheaded mistake uh, in the, the Monday night game. But, you know, Derek Carr and Dak Prescott are, you know, making they, – they make some uh, – Quality plays. They're you know they're How about top. This? You want to hear something surprising? You have, if you made me pick between those two quarterbacks right now, I'd shock you in who I'd take. No, maybe I don't know. I'm not sure which is. I think Dak Prescott. I would take Dak Prescott over Derek Carr. Yeah. Well, I mean, remains to be seen. You know sure. what what uh, Dak Prescott will do once the league has seen him and dealt with him. But on the surface, yeah, it feels like he has it. A little bit more, but I like Derek Carr. I, I still not, Derek Carr near the I'm top of the tier. Discarding team. Derek Carr necessarily, but what I'm saying, what, what there's something that Dak, Pre, Dak Prescott is willing to take a hit to not turn the ball over. Derek Carr sometimes will turn the ball over because he's not willing to take the hit. Yeah, that was more yeah, that, last year, and it's and it's more that it's starting to come around this year, and. The, what Terry made Terry Bradshaw jump the special quarterbacks. I don't care who you think of, they would much rather take physical damage to themselves than to turn the ball over and fuck over their teammates. And that's greatness. It's Tom Brady. You know, there's quarterbacks that weren't great that did that too. Vinny Testaverde, you know, Trent Dilfer. Those weren't great quarterbacks, but they had that quality where, you know, 
if their turnovers came because they had more balls and brains. Same thing with Harry Bradshaw. It wasn't because they were, you know, uh, let me get rid of this. Put it up for grabs. Can't well, do it, Can't do it in the say, NFL. I'll say this. First of all, there are players who came into the league with the big balls uh, and take you know, would take hits at quarterback and so on and so forth who – who got a beating and then lost their lost the ability utterly oh, yeah. sure. to do that. However, uh, um, there also is a guy like Eli Manning who never met a hit that he wasn't willing to get out of the way of, who's won two Super right. Bowls too. Two so, rings, baby. Two rings. Yeah, so I kind of feel I kind of feel like uh, Carr is a little bit more, you know, he's, he's somewhere in between there. He has a little bit of that, you know, tough gunslinger mentality in his head. That's who he thinks he is. But he, right. he doesn't. He plays more of the style of Eli without the cerebral part of the game as much. You know what I mean? So it's like he's trying to live in both worlds. Some right, and having remember. Amari Cooper and uh, Michael Crabtree outside doesn't hurt. Yeah, it and like I said, the best secret weapon in the NFL, which is the Oakland Raiders' offensive line. Yeah, yeah, definitely helps. Well, I'm I'm gonna say, uh, actually. Here's one last question about Oakland before we wrap this up. Sure. Uh, where do you put their head coach in terms of relative to other head coaches in the NFL? Is he top third, middle third, or bottom third? Middle third. And see, I don't have a top third. I have like top one. And then <laughs> below one, I have probably six or seven coaches. And then I have. Uh, the middle tier, and then I have the guys I think are fucking dog shit. Basically, if you want a ring, I don't care when it was, you'll at least get into that middle thing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think Bill Belichick, give the devil his due, what he's done, you know. And then in the next tier, you know, I have, you know, Tomlin and Harbaugh, the one that won a ring, not the piece of shit. Oh, that's right. He's in Michigan. Fuck him anyway. Um, <laughs> I, any any chance I have to take a shot at Jim Harbaugh, I will. Um, he plays for that team up and north. Sean Payton. Like, let me put it this way. If Tom Coughlin came back in the NFL, let's say somebody gave that crazy bastard an offer a job, I think he would be on the same level as Jack Del Rio. I like Jack Del Rio. I like Ron Rivera. I think Ron Rivera might be fired after this year. And Jack Del Rio has been canned definitely once from a head coaching job, I think twice. Um, I think head coach in today's NFL, you got to be able to walk the line of get the players to buy in, be able to communicate your message to the fan base, the masses. That's what Tomlin does. I mean, Tomlin, his players will play for him. If we like it or not, they may make bonehead mistakes, but they play for him. He's a great communicator of the message. He represents the franchise in unbelievably high, you know, high regard, high manner. You know, you never hear about him doing stupid shit. He's a great family guy. The Steelers are pretty much Malta's plain vanilla as an organization. You know, we have our players that have stood out, Elsie Greenwood and, you know, Fats Holmes with the Mohawk, you know, Antonio Brown, you know, and, and, you know, Frenchie Fuqua. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is we're not the Dallas Cowboys, you know, you know, North Dallas 40 type of fucking franchise. Actually, we are. We just keep it you know, closed doors. And I think that's, you know, you asked about Jack Del Rio. I would, is, is Jack Del Rio a better coach? If I had a choice between Jack Del Rio and Sean Payton right now, I probably would take Jack Del Rio. That might shock you. Well, that I definitely would. shocked me because I I was going to tell you that I have Jack Del Rio in the bottom third. But, you know, you make a case 
He, no, no, no. What I'm saying is his players love him. Every, when he was a linebacker's coach, defense coordinator in Baltimore, they loved him. And the, the problem that Jack Del Rio is is he doesn't communicate the message very well. And he's actually had some bad luck jobs. Mark Davis has actually turned out to be a pretty good owner. You know, where yeah, what he bad. did is, you know, he let McKenzie take over, you know, the front office and everything. And he steps aside and he's just trying to handle the business matters and the sales and the negotiations, which is actually supposed to be his strength and was the strength of his father. People forget his father was the original commissioner of the AFL, good old Al Davis. I mean, yeah. he was a smart man. He was more than just the cantankerous bastard that a lot of people remember him as. The evil Sith Lord. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, I just uh, something about Del Rio on game day. I, I, I can't think he was one of those coaches where, yeah, I think his teams, you know, um, he communicates to his teams and he you know, gets it figured out or whatever, but never struck me as a guy that really um, made good decisions during the game. Um, he, I understand he, that. He's one of those cats that's good for a bad challenge every game or so. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just think it's a sort of a miracle. I mean, you know, I, I actually, I thought it was a gutsy call and probably based on having the pulse of his team, a great call to go for two points against uh, New Orleans and try to win the game right there. Uh, on the, week one of the season. season. It changed but, the season. For that yeah, but the thing no is, way. yeah, that really could have sent it the other direction in a hurry. Sure. Uh, but I, I, I admire the way that he called that game. Uh, but that notwithstanding, some of this, the rest of the stuff this year, I'm not sure what to make of it. I, I, you know, I give them credit. They are who they are, and they they're, they're eight and two record. without without a major contributions from their two best defensive players. You know, and I mean Khalil Mack. I mean, but Sean Davis or Sean Smith, excuse me, actually uh, starting their starting corner. They spent a good bit of money of on. Uh, was fighting a knee injury for most of the season, and uh, he wasn't playing up to par to what he did in Miami and the Kansas City prior. Yeah, well, I like Oakland. I think they're actually going to hold on and win the West. Wow, which is shocking. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I know. I, it's hard. I mean, if they don't have a, a surprise loss, then yeah, I, I agree with you. It's most likely that they will. But I, I got a feeling. I see Oakland as an eleven-five team. And I think if they finish 11-5, there's a good chance the Chiefs will win the division. Um, but, I, you know, I don't believe in the Chiefs. I mean, I, that's the thing about all these teams. Every, everybody has gaping flaws, uh, including New England. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I expect New England to be the front runner, and they deserve to be in that position based on what they've done over the last few years. But New England's got major problems for the next four games, stopping their run, losing Allen Branch. A very good news tag over them. They don't. I mean, they're talking about moving. You know, Brown inside. He's two hundred and ninety pounds. Good luck with that. Yeah. Well, they're you know just in this position like they are every year, where in the division they play in, they'd have to have an utter collapse to not. To they, not they've won. They've locked it down. They've locked down the the AFCs. Oh, when I saw them though for the first through the first half last week, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, they there's actually they might actually be mortal, you know. And Tom Brady playing in his comeback, first time ever playing in San Francisco in front of his home crowd, crazy. But uh, it just was not meant to be. Uh, anyway, uh, I suppose they knew they were playing against the 49ers, and at some point they were like, "Oh, it's the 49ers." <laughs> Shit, what were we thinking? Uh, anyhow, okay, well, enough for our illustrious pig segment. Um, 
Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, at your Indianapolis Colts tomorrow night. Late game for Thanksgiving. Uh, we, I think between the two of us, we oh, we split Detroit and Minnesota with a home team. We, we, uh, we, I think we split even on Dallas and Washington about what might happen there. You know, this is another, this is the home dog though. Indianapolis, a home dog to the Steelers in eight point underdog to the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you see happening in this game? I hit at my score. I think it's gonna be 24, six Steelers, um, run, run, shut passing game, probably shut down after the first half being shut down internally. Um, I think the Steelers are going to probably, you know, get the lead up to like 17-6, you know, at halftime, extend it to 24-6, probably at the third quarter. And uh, as funny as this sounds, you may get to see less Le'Veon Bell. And I said, I think they might be pulling starters, which whenever you say something like this is the type of game that you lose. I'm going to stick with 24-6 Steelers. I think that uh, the Steelers will not have a ton of success running the ball this week, keeping holes, but I think that uh, it'll be the quantity, not the quality of runs, where uh, I think the Steelers will grind them out 24-6. Hmm. Uh, I've, I've, I've hard time picking a score. I, I feel like uh, I feel like this will be a game like last week where uh, the level of domination – there's not going to be much doubt that the Steelers are going to win this game from, you know, from 10 plays into the game. Um, but as far as how many points they score, it's a, it's a tough one with this team. You know, they are, are definitely capable, as you said, of, of uh, being dominating and still eating up a bunch of clock and not really leaving themselves a lot of time to score points. Um, on the other hand, um, I, I just, I'm not a big believer in what the Colts are going to be able to do pass protecting even against the Steelers team that doesn't get a lot of push on the pass rush. Uh, I also don't believe in their secondary. And they just, Ben, Ben is a guy that rolls on confidence. And I just feel like this is, if he goes into play, he goes into Baltimore to play against the Ravens in his heart of hearts. He's just not going to walk in there and feel like he has the confidence. He's going to have a lot of time to throw and he's going to be well protected. And the team is going to move the football and he's going to have a chance to make a lot of plays downfield. He's got to go into Baltimore games thinking he can't make can't afford to make a mistake because it's going to be a tight game against Indianapolis. Uh, I think it's more a function of he goes into that game thinking, expecting to be successful. And that was the great thing about the '70s Steelers teams is that the expectation of winning uh, every t- and dominating every time that they went out. And I feel like that's the that's the kind of game to expect here. Um, I think that that will result in a little bit bigger margin of victory than than you're suggesting. I'm I'm going to say um, that this is uh, a 34 to 10 Steelers win, and I I hate I hate picking a big score. I'm just trying to be accurate here. I hate picking a big score because although I've been right on some of my uh, you know big. Uh, margin of victory predictions um, also been burned a couple of times by this team <laughs> thinking they were going to go in, in there and, and uh, you know, be aggressive and toss around the pig and put up some points. But I, I just sort of feel like this is a game where uh, it's, it's indoors. It's against an opponent that our offense is, you know, even when they've struggled uh, in, in other years past, they've been able to put up points against Indianapolis. 
I don't expect things to be any different just because we're at Indy, especially uh, with a, a, an opponent that's going to struggle to move the football, I think. So uh, I'll make it, what I say, 34-10, your Pittsburgh Steelers over your Indianapolis Colts. Um, I'll give you the final word. You brought up 2005. Steelers win Super Bowls when I have pet tragedies in my life. Now, this wasn't a direct pet, but uh, we have an outdoor cat that uh, I have a little office out behind my home and uh, like my man cave. And we've had a cat hanging around since we bought this house. My wife and I bought our house and came out to my front porch. My dog pulls me over and... My cat's dead this morning. That's why I was a little bit late, delayed with the podcast. My outdoor cat. And he was the toughest little son of a bitch I've ever seen in my life. He was poisoned twice by people. Got over it, and I finally died. I have no idea how old he was, but I was pretty much wrecked because this cat was cool as shit. And uh, generally, whenever stuff like this happens, the Steelers win Super Bowls. <laughs> so um, that you're that's my first mission. Not that you're superstitious in any way. Yes. And the second, my little second message I give you is, kids, Thanksgiving, don't drink and drive. The police are out in force, and they should be. Just remember, you youngsters, your Uber, Uber driver, your Lyft driver, if their car has plexiglass and bars, it's not an Uber. It's not a Lyft. You're going to jail. It's going to cost you 10 fucking grand in the long run. Yeah, and that's even you bring up a, directly a good point, though. That's what Uber and and uh, Lyft are for. Let somebody Absolutely. Else, let somebody else I mean, drive most places don't fun. even charge you, man. There's a lot of places like cab companies don't charge you. The, 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 it's paid for by the county or by the state. I live in bum ass South Carolina, so I know the major cities are doing this. So don't bum, drive. Bum ass South Bum ass South Carolina is that near Crack Cracksville? It is near Cracksville. Taint, taint land <laughs> devil's nuts there's actually you can go look it up devil's nuts south carolina oh it, it's a great across the road in georgia nuts. as well i think pretty sure yeah <laughs> well uh on that note i we got a winning we got a one game winning streak man it's time it's there we time go rolling time we're gonna have a long there. break here too no podcast for like Oh, well, actually, no, we're not going to have a long break, like a week. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just seem like a long, just seem like a long, a long time. All right, listen, listen, enjoy Thanksgiving. Don't talk exactly. about politics. Don't drink and drive, but have fun. And enjoy a Steelers victory. I'll talk to you after that next week on a winning streak. All right, go Steelers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.